time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today on this President Weekend here on the Jersey Shore and anywhere else in the United States? Welcome to The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics, and Anything that affects your life. Good morning, Paul. How are you today? Good morning, Lou. Doing good. Welcome to the program. Uh, I'm a little tired today. You know, I rarely wake up from the alarm. I'm usually up half hour, an hour ahead of my alarm. I hardly ever wake up from the alarm. Actually, I'll put my head up, and if my if I want to get up at 5 o'clock, it could be 4.59. I mean, it's amazing how I wake up, don't need an alarm. Today, my alarm woke me up at 5.15. Um which is a highly unusual thing for me. So uh, I'm a little out of it today for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll get through it. Uh, you enjoying your President's Day weekend? Well, so far. Yeah. You got nice a, weekend. Beautiful day yesterday. Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's amazing this winter. It's been so warm here in the Northeast. Um, here it is, uh, the middle of February, uh, February 19th, and we haven't had an inch of snow. Isn't it something? That's amazing. It's amazing. We've never gone this long without snow. And maybe we go the whole winter without an inch of snow, which would be uh, uh, global warming, right? Wouldn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> I like snow. I like a good snowstorm once in a while. I like when everything shuts down and for a couple of days. I like that. I really do. I really like a nice snowstorm. You open up the back door. It's so peaceful and quiet when the snow's coming down. Um, and I remember growing up, it was always there was always snow on the ground all winter long. You remember that? It was snow all the time. You actually had sleds back then. <laughs> I would never buy a kid a sled nowadays. They would just sit in your garage doing nothing, right? Um, but uh, I guess we should uh, be happy that we're having uh, a good weather this winter. But it's kind of creepy because it's not right. <laughs> I mean, it's this week. It was almost seventy degrees one day. I think I had yes. no jacket on on February fifteenth. In the Northeast, and I'm walking into my office from my park lot in my car with no jacket on. And I said, what's wrong with this picture? Now, is it global warming, climate change? Uh, it's climate change, I guess. The question is, what causes climate change? Is it just natural cycles or is it man-made? And that's the big that's the big uh, debate these days, right? Uh, what is climate change? Anyway, anyway, let's take get started with the program if you want to be part of our program the call number here is 732-237-9626 all right i want to talk about the most important thing in retirement uh for everybody no exceptions here uh is retirement income i mean it's all about cash flow in retirement and we work our whole lives to build up assets uh, to contribute to retirement plans, to uh, contribute to the Social Security system, uh, so we can have income in retirement. The whole idea of retirement is not having to work, still having money coming into your household so you can pay your electric bill, feed yourself, and uh, enjoy your golden years. 
So I want to talk about the 12 different types of retirement income you can get. And more importantly, how it's taxed, because, you know, it's all about federal and state income taxes when you take money out of your nest egg. Uh, And you can get a big bite into that. And it all depends on where you live, obviously, because some states don't tax, uh, don't have income taxes, like Florida and Texas. Uh, Then you have certain states that are very generous as far as retirement income go, and New Jersey is one of them. We'll talk about that in a second. It has a significant exemption on retirement income, and very few retired people here in the state of New Jersey pay income taxes to the state of New Jersey, a good thing. But you have to understand where your income comes from and how much of a bite the federal government and maybe the state will take out of it. Now, I'll tell you straight out, that I don't believe retirees should be taxed at all. Really. I mean, they take taxes out of your life, your whole freaking life. And now you're 65 or 67 or 70 people are retiring later now. And now they want to tax your Social Security, your pension, your income. It's it's ridiculous. And as I've said recently in many, well, many shows on this program over the years, uh, seniors now are going to be the biggest group in poverty in the country in the years to come. Many uh, Americans have not saved enough because they couldn't keep up uh, with inflation and the cost of living, especially in certain areas of the country where where housing and rent is so high. Uh, And they've or, or, or they've gone into debt to finance their children's education in college, which is a whole nother subject of whether or not that's a good investment or not. Uh, and uh, many people are going into retirement with debt. So not only do they need money to pay for groceries, electric, um, uh, they need money to pay off their mortgage. They need money to pay their credit cards. They need money to pay their car payments in retirement, which is totally wrong. Obviously, the whole idea when you enter retirement is you want to be debt-free, but fewer and fewer Americans are entering retirement debt-free. So we got to look at the the sources we have for income, and hopefully there are multiple sources. And let's look at the different types of income that you could have. Well, the first one is, how about uh, retirement plans, IRAs and 401ks? Uh, It used to be your company, you'd work there for 40 years, and they'd give you a monthly pension, and you would be happy ever after. And in many cases, they'd give you health care, and that was great. You were loyal to a company and you worked there your whole life, then they were loyal to you. Well, that's gone out the window. Uh, companies figured out a long time ago that, hey, you know, these pension payments we're paying for these people who are retired uh, come off of our bottom line, affect our profits. Let's figure out how we can morph into being responsible for our employees' retirement and make them responsible. And hence the 401k was created or the 403b or the deferred comp, what have you. And uh, contribution to the new plans, the 401ks, the IRAs are tax deductible in most cases. Saves a lot of money on your tax bill. But when you want to take that money out, that's when they come after you. So 401k distributions, IRA distributions are taxable income. And uh, you have to start taking money out. For those who don't understand, it's something called RMDs, required minimum distributions, that you have to start taking out of these retirement plans at a certain age. 
because the IRS says, hey, you've had this tax-deferred account for so long, uh, we haven't got any of it, and now that you're retired, we want our part. And now the age for that, starting this year, is 73. It was 70 and a half for the longest time, then it was moved up to 72, and now it's 73. And then I think it's uh, in 2035, uh, it's jumping up to 75. That's when you have to start taking money out. Now, many people take it out earlier because they need it. You know, they retire at 65 or 67 or whatever, uh, and they need it. Now, what if you have a Roth IRA or Roth 401k? This is one of the best retirement plans to have because the money comes out tax-free. It's one of the retirement income streams that you could have tax-free. Now, the problem with Roth IRAs is you get no deduction when you put the money in or Roth 401ks. You don't get a tax benefit. And that's a big problem for a lot of people because if you're in a high tax bracket, putting money into a retirement plan uh, saves you a lot of taxes. Now, I'm in a high tax bracket, so I've used traditional IRAs, not Roth IRAs, over the course of my life for putting money away. Because the tax deduction was so valuable to me, and when I take the money out, theoretically, I should be in a lower tax bracket because I won't be working, uh, and that works for me. But for other people, the Roth IRA is best. They're not in a high tax bracket, so putting money away you know, and not getting the tax deduction is not a big deal. So traditional IRAs and 401ks are great during your working years. They're the better better of the two. But in your retired years, the Roth is much better because it's tax-free. There's no required minimum distributions. You don't have to take the money out at any time. It can grow tax-free under certain circumstances. Your your children can inherit that money tax-free. It's a great thing on the way out. It's not so great on the way in. How about pensions, traditional pensions? People still get traditional pensions. Those lucky enough to work for the government, the state, a union, uh, pensions are still there for them. And I would tell you, someone who's not really going to college, um, I would tell them work for the government. Work for the federal government, work for the state government, work for a union, and uh, you'll be taken care of for life. Is that good for society? Overall, no. Public pensions are a big problem now for states around the country where they're underfunded and they're going to fail. But where else can you retire at 55 as a fireman or policeman or teacher, get a full pension and go get another job, get get virtually full health care? And uh, that's the way to do it. Very simple. Unless you're going to be a professional and have more than enough money to provide for your own future, um, having a pension is the best thing ever. But it's taxable. Pensions are taxable. It's federally taxable 100%, just like any other income. Now, this is the biggie. How about Social Security? Social Security for many people is their main source of income, and for many Americans, their only source of retirement income, which is dreadful. How anybody can live on Social Security these days, I have no idea. 
But for some people, their Social Security is tax-free. For others, it's taxable, or at least 85% of it can be taxable, and it depends on your income. And these income numbers are so low, have never been indexed for inflation, have never been changed, although there's been talk about doing it, but it's so easy to make enough income for your Social Security to be taxable, or at least 85% of it. And the calculation is you take half of your Social Security, you and your spouse, uh, let's say you are married, you add to it any other taxable income, which would include pension, interest, capital gains, uh, if you have a part-time job, work, anything that's uh, that's on the front page of your tax return is income. And once you go over $32,000 for a married couple, Social Security benefits become taxable. And uh, once you go over... Um, uh, 44000 then 85% of your benefits are taxable. And the amount in between means part of your Social Security is taxable. It just starts going up. Now, this is an abomination. It's an abomination, as I said before, for any retirement income to be taxable. The best thing we could ever do for seniors uh, and for the social services, which is going to be overwhelmed by impoverished seniors in the years to come, is to make... All retirement income tax-free. I'm going to run on that. What do you think, Paul? Maybe we should start a campaign for Senate or or governor or whatever uh, where we make retirement income tax-free. I think that's a winning platform. I'll I'll sign on to that. (laughs) There you go. See, it's not hard. You know, uh, uh, I'm surprised no politician has decided to do that. One thing you know about seniors vote. They do vote. I mean, in, uh, in in retirement communities, they set up the election booths right there in the clubhouse. I live in a retirement community. I can't believe how many people are there voting. I mean, whereas the rest of us, you know, are too busy or don't care uh, to vote. So my platform, when I run for president um, or Congress, is going to be tax-free retirement income for all. But one thing for sure that should be tax-free under all circumstances is Social Security. Because if you think about Social Security, think how many times it's been taxed. FICA, when you get your paycheck and you see that FICA deduction, right? FICA is your Social Security payment and your Medicare payment. It's a 1.6% or so for Medicare and it's uh, 6.2% goes into uh, Social Security and that is matched by your employer, both of those payments. So that, uh, but one thing you have to keep in mind, that FICA deduction is taxed as income first. That's part of your gross income where the federal government and the state government takes income taxes out of it. So it's been taxed already when it went in. Then you want to tax it on the way out. And then itself is really a tax. It's called payroll tax. So it's taxed three times sometimes. And the thing about Social Security is that you could put in, think about it, say you work, say you make 100000 a year on average your entire life. You make 100000 a year. About thirteen dollars to $14,000 a year is going into your Social Security account. Half of it comes out of your paycheck and FICA deductions, and the other half comes from your employer. Now, if you're self-employed, you pay both sides of it. 
which is a big tax for self-employed people, uh, who are often surprised about it, uh, but um, that's true. So if I work 30 years and I have $15,000 a year going into Social Security, what's that, 450000 something like that? Add to it a rate of return? What do I have, a million five, two million dollars that would be in an account if I just put it into an S&P 500 fund? Now, what happens? Now, now I'm only going to get a small portion of what that money is worth, right, over the course of my retired lives. But what happens if I'm a single guy and I'm waiting to 67 to take my Social Security and I die at 66? Who gets that money? Nobody. My family doesn't get a dime. Now, if I have a spouse, yeah, they'll get they'll get it. But but if I'm single, nobody gets it, which is a real bad situation. How can you and your employer put four hundred and something thousand in a retirement account for you, and nobody gets a dime of it? You would think there should be at least like a life insurance tied to it or something like that. That if you die prior to retirement. Uh, that your beneficiary at least gets a payment from the government due to a life insurance policy. That would make too much sense, though. Just like having independent private accounts would make too much sense. I mean, Social Security is nothing but a Ponzi scheme. The, the pure definition of a Ponzi scheme is people working now are paying for people who are retired. And the problem with that is more and more people are not working, and the number of workers per retired person is dwindling. But Social Security is something that should never be taxed, and it is. How about annuities? Well, if you purchase an annuity uh, for retirement, um, uh, a portion of that is taxable. Say you put 100000 in an annuity, and uh, 10 years later it's worth 200000 and you start taking money out of that annuity, well, the $100,000 profit is going to be taxable income to you. And this is a big problem for people because um, many people don't really understand this, how it works. The growth of an annuity is tax-free or tax-deferred. And then when you take it out, the profitable portion comes out first. And, and I've seen this so many times in my career. Clients come to me to do their taxes, and I see a 1099 from an insurance company. And there's 100000 in taxable income. And, and my client will go, what is this? I go, well, you have $100,000 profit in annuity. Why did you cash it in and take 100000 in income? Well, I didn't know. That's why I hate annuities. Annuities are, are, are tax traps. Uh, there's lots of reasons I don't like annuities, and I've done whole hours on it, but that's another, that's another show. Now, there's two different types of annuities. There's qualified annuities. There's non-qualified annuities. A non-qualified annuity means that you put in after-tax money. So part of that annuity is return of your own principal. So if I put $100,000 in of after-tax money in a non-qualified annuity and I cash it in for $200,000, $100,000 is taxable, $100,000 is not. If I annuitize the account and I give up the principal for a stream of income for the rest of my life, in that scenario, half the payment would be taxable and half the payment would be non-taxable. Qualified annuities are retirement plans. A lot of people don't understand these terms. A qualified annuity means every dollar in that account is taxable. So it's an IRA. 
for all intents and purposes, or 401k or something like that. Every dollar in there is is pre-tax. Every dollar that comes out is taxable. Now, what if you uh, sell stocks and bonds? Uh, is it taxable? Well, it could be. If you have a capital gain, but it may not be taxable. And that's the thing here. A lot of this has to do with income, your other income. So tax rates on capital gains can be 0%, could be 15%, could be 20%. And that's based on your income. So for 2022, we're doing taxes now. The zero rate applies to individuals with taxable income up to 41675 83350 on joint returns. So say you make, you're married, you're retired, you make less than $83,000, the two of you together, taxable income, and you sell a stock for a $50,000 profit. The, pro, the capital gain is zero. Most people don't know that. They don't know that, that they could take a significant capital gain and may not pay any tax on it. Now, if you go over those income limits, then it's a 15% tax. And then if you make a lot of money, like if you're single, you have to make like 460000 uh, Or if you're married, you have to make 517000 for it to jump to 20% capital gain. So the bottom line is, is capital gains taxable or not? Depends. Depends on your income. But dividends are taxable. Interest is taxable. Now, dividends may be taxed at a very favorable tax rate, depending on your income again. Depend on a type of dividend it is. Here's that word qualified again. Qualified dividends. What's a qualified dividend? A qualified dividend is a dividend that a company pays out of profits. So if the company pays you a dollar a share dividend, if they earned at least a dollar a share in earnings, that is a qualified dividend, qualified for special tax treatment, meaning capital gains rates. If a company, now many companies continue to pay dividends even though they're not making profits. Uh, they take it out of reserves or out of, out of money they have set aside uh, because they don't want to cut the dividend. It's very tough for a company to cut their dividend. Stocks go down a lot when you cut the dividend. So a lot of companies will try to maintain the dividend even though they don't have the profits to pay it. Now, of course, they can't do that forever. uh, But if they do do that, that's a non-qualified dividend. It's just considered to be regular income, ordinary income, and taxed at ordinary income rates. How about interest-bearing accounts? You got a CD, you got a money market, you got a savings account, you got savings bonds. That income is taxable at ordinary income tax rates. And that's a big problem that people have that have savings bonds. Had a client in for taxes this week. They cash in a bunch of savings bonds. They had $80,000 in interest accrued in the savings bonds. And that's the thing about deferred taxed accounts. They're great while you're working, while they're accumulating and everything else. But once you want the money, that's when you get kicked in the you-know-where, tax-wise. So it's not like you're never going to pay the tax on these things. You are. 
And like I said, many people uh, are really getting hit uh, with big taxes when it comes to cash and savings bonds. How about home sales? You're going to downsize your home? You're going to move to a smaller place, a retirement community? Well, the good thing about it, sometimes government does good things. Not often, but one of the good things they did about 20 years ago is they made uh, capital gains on homes virtually non-existent for most people. If you're married, you could have a $500,000 profit on the sale of your home, and it's tax-free. If you're single, it's 250000 And very few people are cashing in homes with that kind of profit because the capital gain is the difference between what you paid for the property plus all the money you put in in improvements over the years minus the sales price minus the cost of sale. So for for 95% of home sellers, selling your home is a capital – is a free capital gain which is a big deal because for many people, most of their retirement savings is the equity in their home. Now, it used to be, not anymore. As I said earlier, most of the many Americans are retiring with mortgages still. Uh, but in the old days, it used to be that the home was paid off. We retired. We had a nice pension. We sold the home. We we downsized, bought a home for cash, and took the balance of the money and invested it for income, uh, and had a decent retirement lifestyle. Well, that's not the case now. Now, another thing: if you do have a pension, many pensions give you the option of whether or not you want to take a lump sum or get monthly payments for the rest of your life. And, and, and these are decisions that people make without professional advice. Many times, I would say most times, a person who's given an opportunity, okay, you're retiring, uh, you can take $500,000 or you can get uh, 1000 a month for the rest of your life. And if you choose a survivor option, take a little bit less, say you take 850, we'll give 50% to your wife if you die or your husband. Now, are you better off taking a lump sum or are you better off taking the monthly pension? Well, I'm a big believer in taking a lump sum for a number of reasons. Number one, what if I take a pension and I just take it for my life? Say I'm a single guy. My wife predeceased me. Um, uh, I have a couple of kids and um, and I'm going to take the life only pension of a thousand a month. Well, that means that if you take one payment and you die, that's it. It's over. Your kids inherit nothing. And all the money that went into your pension over the years, just like Social Security, the example I did earlier, that if you die, it just disappears, uh, is gone. That makes me crazy. Because the company or the state or whoever's paying you that pension wants you to die tomorrow. They couldn't be happier to hear somebody call up and say, oh, my father just passed away, stop the pension. Oh, sorry to hear about your loss. Your loss is my gain. <laughs> right? Same is true of an insurance company. You give them 100000 and you want a monthly annuity for your life, they can't wait for you to die and keep the money. 
so when given the option, uh, I almost always say take the lump sum, except if you're horrible with money, you have uh, a vice that could wipe it out, you're a gambler, you're a drug addict, you're an alcoholic, you're a womanizer, uh, you blow money like it's going out of style. Well, then that's a different story. And what happens if the entity that's paying you the pension becomes insolvent? Right? What happens? And many pensions right now are are underfunded. And it's only a matter of time before all these pensions send a letter to all the the pensioners and say, hey, uh, we don't have the money, so we're cutting your pension 25%. Or 50%, or in the case of Detroit, Michigan, when they went bankrupt, 75%. Or 100% if it goes totally out. I'd rather have my money in my hand, in my IRA account. And what you do is you roll over that pension lump sum into an IRA account. Now you and your financial advisor can invest it any way we want, can give you income every month, You die, your spouse has the money and gets the same amount of income, not a 50% pay cut, and when the spouse dies, your kids inherit the balance. Doesn't that make sense? It makes sense to me. A lump sum puts control over your assets in your hands. Inflation goes up and you want to take more money out per month next year, you can do it. Can't do it in a pension. Unless you have a cost of living adjustment that automatically does that, and few have that now. Now, I'm not suggesting that all pensions are going to go broke, but a lot of them are. And again, your your income needs fluctuate in retirement. It's not going to be the same amount every month. So you have flexibility to control your income. You're in better position to take care of your spouse if you predecease them by owning assets that you're leaving behind, not just income. And again, your heirs or beneficiaries are going to inherit these assets when the spouse passes away. And what happens if you need cash? You get a $1,000 monthly pension. You're waiting with bated breath for the first of the month for that direct deposit. If you have a half a million dollars in your own IRA account, you take out 5000 if you need it on the 15th of the month. If you have a pressing need, health care concern, and you want to take money out to, to, to travel and enjoy your life when you worked 40 years, you can control that by taking money out of your IRA account that you've rolled over. Now, another thing about retirement income that you have to consider is... Um, is do I take, you know, say say you have no lump sum option and you're forced to take an annuity, meaning a monthly payment. Now, the highest payment you can get is life only, meaning your life only. When you die, that payment goes to zero. It stops. The spouse gets nothing. But if you want to take $200 less per month, then your spouse can get 50% when you die. Now, most people don't want to leave their spouse with no income. So they want to take the survivor benefit. Could be a big mistake. A, your spouse may predecease you. So say you take $200 less per month and next year your wife dies. 
Now, you're going to take $200 less a month for the rest of your life, and there's no spousal benefit. Or how about this? This is what I do a lot with clients when we look at this, and that's why it's so important to talk to a financial planner before you make this life-changing, irrevocable decision. How about if you're going to get an extra 2400 a year with the life only, why not, assuming you're healthy, buy a $500,000 level term 20-year life insurance policy that costs you 1000 a year? You're still pocketing $1,400 more a year, and if you die, your spouse is going to get a half a million dollars, and we'll be able to maintain that income. See, most people don't think to do that. That's what financial planners do. And that may make sense. So retirement income, the whole idea is to get multiple sources of it through interest, dividends, Social Security, pension, IRA distributions, dividends. It's important, though, to know how these things are taxed. And to uh, where you live is an important thing, too, because some states have really bad tax policy when it comes to retired people. I must say, if you live in New Jersey here where we're based, it's very good. You have a, over $100,000 retirement income exclusion, meaning pension and IRA distributions and annuities. Most people aren't going to be taxed on it. Social Security does not uh, go into the mix in New Jersey. So New, New Jersey is a very retirement-friendly tax state. And also when you look at real estate taxes, very generous property tax reimbursement and stuff like that. So if you're a retiree, living in New Jersey is pretty good, except for inheritance taxes, which is a whole other story. But but, uh, New Jersey, if you live in New Jersey, you don't have to go look for a tax-free state like Florida because chances are you're not going to be taxed. But just understand where your income is going to come from in retirement and also understand how it's going to be taxed. Uh, let's take a short break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name is Luce Katigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBN. Luce Katigna here, certified financial planner, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. Heard every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m. right here on 92.7 WOBM-FM. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA, NSIPC, registered investment advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732 680 
888-7721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer. Top quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, just a reminder of my website, thefinancialphysician.com, uh, where we have the podcast of the show up. It's up right after the show's over. I don't know if a I don't know of a radio show, Paul, that has the podcast available five minutes after the show's over. That's pretty good, huh? <laughs> well, that's all on you. You're the one who puts it up and gets it going. So, uh, and you put all the subject matter on there and everything else. So uh, you you work hard to do that. And uh, the show is over. So I mean, as soon as the show's over, the podcast is up. So if you tune in in the middle of the program, you sleep late, you go to church, uh, you're shopping, whatever, you miss the program, uh, or you don't want to listen to uh, this kind of stuff uh, so early on a Sunday morning, you rather listen to it on Monday afternoon. No problem. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com. You could download it, uh, or you could just listen to it on the podcast itself, uh, uh, and you could pause it, and you could listen to it in pieces. You don't have to listen to the entire show at one time. You could jump through the breaks uh, and listen to the, our two-hour two hour show in about an hour and a half. Uh, so uh, the podcast is uh, the way to go for many people, and it's available right after the program at thefinancialphysician.com. And at the website, you can get uh, a free PDF uh, copy of my book, The Financial Physician, How to Cure Your Money Problems and Boost Your Financial Health. Uh, you could uh, watch videos we have on there. Um, we have videos of this program. I, I videotape it and put segments up during the week of the program. So if you want to put uh, my bald head and ugly face uh, to the voice. Uh, you could tune in and, and, and see what I look like. Uh, also on the website, I don't know if you noticed, Paul, 
Do you know I produced and started in a reality TV show? I remember years ago, right? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was uh, 2008, I think it was. Yeah, I um, I uh, produced a, a reality TV show that we were hoping that would be going to be picked up by a major cable station and, and be a big hit, and it came very close to fruition. All right, but we did a a reality show, and and it was called The Financial Physician, and it was about uh, Wall Street. Wealthy Wall Street guy uh, wants to give back, so he finds people who are uh, in financial distress due to health problems. So he's the financial physician. He comes in and he pays off their debt. He gets them the proper medical care. Uh, He makes sure that the children's college funds are funded. He brings in credit card companies that forgive their debt. He buys them new cars and does things like that. So in the pilot, uh, I'm the ho- I'm the financial, I'm the guy, right? And I, we had this woman um, that we found in Clifton, New Jersey, who was like 34 years old with a six-year-old child who had stage four cancer. Okay, it was a terrible story. Uh, and we went there, and the first meeting, I write her a check for $10,000 to pay her bills. And then over the next few weeks, I find somebody to get her a part-time at-home job, we redo her windows because they were so bad that she was freezing in the house. It was an old house. We redo. Uh, Anderson came in and, and, and did their windows for free. We got her a new car. Uh, we, she had a terrible divorce she was going through with an abusive husband. We got her a lawyer to take care of that. Uh, and then the last scene, uh, I pay all her bills for a year, including her mortgage. So we pay $25,000 worth of her bills. All right, so uh, we put we gave her a lot of money. We really did some good things for her, uh, and we put together the pilot. And A uh, and E was we were waiting for the phone call. We were going to be their number one new show in the fall, and we did this in January, right? The pilot, and the last second they got cold feet, and they pulled it. Uh, we were so exciting. I mean, we were literally at lunch waiting for the call from our contact at A&E to say that this is a go. And uh, it died on the vine, unfortunately. But anyway, the reason I bring it up is on the website, thefinancialphysician.com, we have that pilot. It is there. Okay? You could find it. Just go to the uh, where it says about or the videos and go all the way to the bottom. And you'll see uh, on Rumble I have the whole video of the pilot. Now, it is emotional. It is good TV. And, you know, you see all the crap that's on TV nowadays. You know you know what the reason why? It, it was too feel-good, and, and, and it wasn't enough uh, stupidity and culture craziness to make it to TV. You know what it was? Uh, and, and people who watch it. I, I had grown men crying watching the show. It's very emotional to see this woman. And she died a year later. And, you know, regardless of the success of the show, and I'm glad we did it because, you know, it was life-changing for this, for this woman. And what a great show that would have been if we could have done that every week, you know, go to somebody and make their lives better. Uh, and uh, maybe we should try to sell it again. But it was uh, so close. We were at the um, the uh, convention in, in Las Vegas, uh, the big TV convention. I mean, huge shows were there and everything else. We had a booth and it was all the video was going and everything else. It was really, really close to fruition. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't make it. Uh, but people who watched the pilot uh, really think it was good TV. So anyway, it's available on the com. I diverge. All right. This week, um, 
The inflation figures came out uh, for January, the consumer price index and the producer price index, and they came in hot. Hot meaning inflation is still here. Uh, it's, it's, it's not going away. It hasn't moderated very much since the Fed raised interest rates all last year. Uh, and it's having a lot of people think twice now about what the Fed policy is going to be with interest rates. The markets are starting to uh, reevaluate uh, what the, what's going to happen here. Now, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, increased month over month a half of 1%. That's the most in three months. Now, in December, it only went up one-tenth of 1% over November. So... In essence, the CPI has actually accelerated in January. On an annual basis, the CPI is up 6.4% from a year ago. Now, if you recall, and that's higher than forecast, but if you recall, it was 9% in July. Now, none of these numbers are true anyway. I mean, they're, they're fudge numbers. Double. An economist, uh, I mentioned it before, John Williams... He's an older guy. He's been around the block a long time. He has a, a website called shadowstats.com, and he keeps track of economic numbers uh, the way we used to keep track of them. He calculates the consumer price index the way we used to calculate it in 1980. Because over the years, to make inflation look better, the government has changed the way they calculate it. But he went back and he calculated the inflation rate the exactly the same way they did in 1980 when we had the last big inflation scare. And he says it's 13 to 15%. But meanwhile, the government comes out and says 6.4. Well, double it. What do you got? 13%. And many other things that we buy are up much more than that. Think groceries, think food, think gasoline, natural gas. I was floored. I got my natural gas bill for my recent one, whatever it was. $620. $620 for natural gas to heat my home. Now, I have a big house, and we like it comfortable in there and we also have a gas fireplace that we run a lot you know so you know we're not frugal when it comes to energy in our house but six hundred dollars it's insane and uh you know people are struggling to pay for groceries and gasoline and now they they get their utility bills how many americans now are behind on the utility bills because they just can't pay them So don't tell me inflation is 6.4%. You know, that's a joke. And we all know it's higher. But this puts the Federal Reserve in a tough place because, you know, the thinking was that, you know, they're them raising interest rates were going to moderate inflation, bring it down again, and then the Fed will stop raising interest rates and ultimately start lowering them. And that's why the stock market has done so well after an abysmal 2022. January was fantastic. And year to date, the markets are doing great. They have year-like, good year returns, some market indexes. In anticipation of inflation coming down and the Fed lowering rates again and, and stimulating the economy and the market. Well, that looks a lot less likely right now.
And then last month we had this blowout jobs gain, if you remember, 500 and something thousand jobs are created when actually two and a half million were lost, but that's another fudge number. Uh, but you take retail sales, you take this jobs report, and you take this, this CPI and PBI. Uh, the Fed's not going to lower interest rates anytime soon. I mean, the PPI, what's the difference? The consumer price index is what we pay for finished goods, things we buy in stores and stuff like that. The producer price index is the natural resources, the producers that make these products, their input cost, their energy, their more materials and all that stuff. Well, the PPI came out the next day and it came out hotter than expected, up seven tenths of one percent month over month and six percent year over year. And when you see the producer price index still growing, it flows into the consumer price index. Think about it. If things, you know, the producers who produce finished products are seeing high, uh, higher expenses, well, sooner or later, the consumer product is going to be higher too, right? Everything's pushed down the line, right? One of the big contributors to the CPI increasing more than expen- expected is housing. The shelter index rose seven tenths of one percent month over month. So this is where people are getting killed. They're getting killed in housing costs. Rent, the cost to buy a home, now their mortgage rates are up. Um, Rent is up 8.56% year over year. So people are getting squeezed every which way. It's costing more to rent an apartment. It's costing more to uh, buy a home. It's costing more to feed your family, gas up your car, heat your home. And everything else in between. And it's very, very tough for most Americans to get by. And that's why we're seeing credit card debt, personal loans, all going up significantly. Uh, It was announced this week, credit card debt is approaching a trillion dollars. Up 18% year over year. That's incredible. Think about that. The credit card balances of most Americans are up 18%. And for many people, more than that. That's the average. Think about how disastrous that is. To have to finance your basic living with debt. Only the U.S. government can get away with that forever, and they can't even get away with it forever. Uh, But certainly a family can't. Now we're starting to see um, unemployment uh, start to creep up. Uh, Total number of Americans claiming jobless benefits hovers near one-year highs. So we were wondering how long it was going to take before we started seeing Jobless claims and unemployment start to rise. Well, it's starting to. And the problem is with most families paycheck to paycheck, what happens when you have no paycheck? Especially in an inflationary world that we're living in. I was talking about credit card debt before. Balances grew $61 billion in the fourth quarter last year to $986 billion. The largest quarterly increase 
since the series began in 1999. What does that tell you? People can't afford to live. At the same time, the rate at which credit card holders missed payments and became more than 90 days behind was higher than before the pandemic, especially among young borrowers. Year over year, credit card debt up $130 billion, the highest annual gain on record. And the average interest rate on credit card debt, 20%. And many people are paying 2999 How could this even be legal? How could banks charge somebody 20% interest? You might as well go on a street and borrow from the Shylock. There's an old term, huh? <laughs> There's an old term from the past, the Shylock. Oh, God. Uh, borrow money on the street. Well, that's like 20% a month. Is that what it was or something like that? Uh, and you get kneecapped if you don't pay. Uh, you can be 90 days late on your credit card bill. You ain't going to be 90 days late with Tony down the street. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you don't have, Do we have Shylocks anymore? I don't know. Loan sharks, that's what they used to call them too, right? Loan sharks. Is, is there any loan sharks out there anymore? Yeah, they're called banks. <laughs> right? And it's called credit cards. It's insane what people are going through. Uh, let's look at markets for the week. Uh, markets didn't do much last week. Uh, they actually were up early in the week, and then they went down quite a bit uh, later in the week after the, the inflation numbers came out. And the markets realized that, hey, the Fed is not going to stop raising interest rates at least anytime soon. And, and forget about them lowering them. It's not happening for a while. And the conventional wisdom was, forget what the Fed says. They're, they're, gonna, they're not going to keep raising them. Well, the Fed is going to keep raising them because they're going to have to raise them. For the week, the Dow was down uh, 0.13%. It was flat for the week. Uh, the two weeks in a row where the Dow's done nothing. Uh, up for the year, 2%. Uh, S&P 500 was down a little over a quarter of 1%. Again, nothing. Um, up 6.25% for the year. The Nasdaq was the only index that was slightly positive, up uh, half a percent. But look at the year return for the Nasdaq, up 12.62%, which would be a good year for the stock market. Now, the, the market can easily give that back, and I think it will, um, as the realization comes in that you can't have interest rates rising in the bond market and in the, the money markets uh, and not have it adversely affect the stock market. It's just a matter of time. Uh, the 10-year Treasury bond uh, rose quite substantially this week uh, to 3.82%. And it's interesting, you know, you have to keep an eye on the 10-year bond. The 10-year bond is the benchmark interest rate that affects a lot of things, including mortgage rates. So the 10-year bond was down to 3.38% a couple of weeks ago, now 3.82%, touched 39 on Thursday. And my guess is it's going to be over 4% soon. Mortgage rates took a big jump up last week. Why? Because the yield on a 10-year bond went up. They go together. The average 30-year mortgage rate is 6.79% right now. On its way back to 7%, I believe, and even higher. I I think by the end of the year, we may even see 85 and 9% mortgage rates, which certainly is not good for the housing market. Uh, 
Stronger um, interest rates and bond prices uh, have made the dollar a little stronger this week, which is adverse uh, to gold and silver prices. Gold dropped below nineteen hundred dollars an ounce to eighteen fifty one. Silver, um, after being at twenty four a couple of weeks ago, a little under twenty two dollars an ounce. Oil uh, was down for the week, um, down substantially. I think it closed a week last week at eighty dollars a barrel. Closed at seventy six thirty three a barrel on Friday. Uh, I expect oil prices to go much higher um, for a variety of reasons later this year, but um, right now seventy six thirty three a barrel. Uh, gasoline prices are hovering right around three forty, depending on where you are a gallon. Uh, Bitcoin is continuing a, a good 2023, uh, slightly under $25,000 in, uh, I think early December was 16000 So Bitcoin is uh, having a good year. Now, if we look at the bond market in general and we look at the different maturities, you know, there's something very interesting, and that's called an inversion, an inverted yield curve. And it's very, very negative for the economy. And an inverted yield curve is when short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates, which is an anomaly. It only happens usually prior to recessions. Because if I'm going to lock my money up for 30 years, I should get a higher interest rate than if I lock it up for six months or a year. And normally that's the case. Uh, the one year would be 1% interest, the 10-year would be 3% interest, and the 30-year would be 4% interest or 5 That's called a rising yield curve, and that's normal. That's what you usually see in a stable economy. But when you see short-term interest rates higher than long-term interest rates, that means that the market is thinking that interest rates in the future are going to come down because the economy is going to go into a recession. So right now, let's look at the yield curve. Uh, the six-month and one-year Treasury bond right now is yielding 5%. You buy a one-year Treasury bill, you're going to get 5% on your money. Guaranteed. The two-year is 4.61%. The 10-year is 3.81%. So you could see the further out you go, interest rates are actually dropping. And that inversion from the one-year to the 10-year is 1.2%. Extremely, extremely widespread. And uh, this usually portends a recession. Now, the Fed's going to meet in... um, March, and it's widely expected that they were going to raise interest rates a quarter of a percent. Now, this week, a couple of Fed governors came out and said maybe that should be a half of a one percent. So now the talk about diminishing interest rates are starting to turn around, which is very negative for the bond market, very negative for the stock market, very negative for the housing market, very negative for the economy, and very negative for you, your household in the interest rates that you're paying on your credit cards, on car loans, and and everything else. And uh, the Fed is determined to kill inflation. Uh, They may wind up killing your household doing it, but they're hell-bent on doing it. And now cash is the king of the block right now. You know, it's uh, high-yielding. You know, you see in savings accounts now pay decent yields, treasury bills, money market funds. U.S. Treasury money market funds are paying over 4% right now. And, you know, your cash can earn four plus percent these days after many, many years of earning zero. And that's another competition for the stock market. Why do I want to put my money in the stock market where, uh, you know, 
I lost 30% last year, uh, when I can get a risk-free return of 4 or 5%. In my managed accounts from our clients, you know, for the last year or so, we've kept them safely in U.S. Treasury money market accounts. Uh, and we're getting a decent return there without any risk. And where cash was trash for so long, cash now is king. And and why put my money at risk in risky assets when I could put it in something secure and get a reasonable rate of returns? Not keeping pace with inflation, real inflation, but still, you know, better than putting it at risk in the stock market, which is a very risky place. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is our call number if you want to be part of the program. My name is Lou Skatigna. Back after the break. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of this uh, thing of ours, the financial physician, where we talk money, markets, and politics. And we join you every Sunday morning live here on 92.7 WOBM, 7 to 9 a.m. every Sunday morning. And... um, if you're not an early person Sunday morning, um, then maybe you want to listen to the podcast, which is available right after the show's over at thefinancialphysician.com. So if you're just tuning in now and you missed our first hour, you could always pick it up right at thefinancialphysician.com and listen to the part you missed. I appreciate you sharing the link with friends, family, put it on some website, social media, get the word out there because on this program, we talk about stuff that you're not going to hear, certainly on the mainstream media, that's for sure or pretty much anywhere else, because we talk about everything here on A Financial Physician. We talk money, we talk markets, we talk politics, and we give you this, the straight stuff. We don't um, we don't sugarcoat it. We're not propaganda here. Uh, and more and more, the media has become uh, just a propaganda arm uh, of the left, the new world government, and, and everything else. It's just crazy how uh, how you have to work to get straight information these days. You can't just get it in the newspaper. You can't get it on TV. Uh, you can't get it from your government. Now, I told uh, Paul and I were talking before the show, and we were talking that about what we're told. And I told him that anything the media tells me, I immediately assume the opposite. Anything the government tells me, I immediately assume the opposite. Isn't that something that you have to believe the opposite of what you're being told? Talk about dystopian 1984 newspeak. Uh, you know, it's just amazing. And I, it's, I can't even watch the mainstream media anymore because I know they're lying to me. And they know they're lying to me. And they know I know that they know they're lying to me. And they lie to me anyway. And I guess they assume that 
enough Americans are stupid and they're probably right that, yeah, you know, maybe 50 percent will know we're lying to them, but 50 percent will believe it. Who was it uh, in Nazis? Goebbels. You say you tell a lie enough and a big enough lie, people will believe it. Here's an example. Federal government and local government says it's safe to go back to your homes and drink the water in uh, East Palestine, Pennsylvania. Oh, sure it is. Paul, you want to take a ride there and go and drink some water there? Come on, we'll take a ride after this show. We'll sit outside. We'll breathe in the air and uh, uh, have a glass of water from the stream. You first. You first, right? Uh, uh, or we could eat the fish that are dying. I mean, free fish for everybody. <laughs> All you can eat. Uh, but it's safe to go back. Just like Christy Todd Whitman, who was the head of the EPA, told everybody ground zero was fine. Tell that to the thousands and thousands of people who died of cancer that were working on the pile. The first responders. All the construction crews. Government lies to us. The first thing you have to understand to get by in life in these days is don't believe anything the government tells you. Don't believe anything that the media tells you. It's the same thing, isn't it? But this situation in Pennsylvania is horrible. I mean, these poor people. I mean, and then... uh, uh, then the, the federal government said that they, FEMA won't help them. They got toxic, you know, the, the town has been nuked, basically. You know, whoever made the decision to burn off these vinyl chloride chemicals and everything else that's in there, including what's the equivalent of mustard gas used in World War One. That this was a smart idea. It may be a great economic idea for the, for the railroad, but it w- certainly wasn't a good idea for the people living probably within 50 miles of that. But, you know, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, you know, came out on Thursday or Friday and he said that the government is actively refusing to help. FEMA is claiming that Ohio is not eligible for assistance at this time. That's what they said. Now, they since reversed themselves. Uh, but this is nonsense. The real reason is probably because uh, the residents of East Palestine uh, voted overwhelmingly for President Trump back in 2020. I'd hate to think that that's the case. I'd hate to think that government would be that vindictive not to provide assistance to a town uh, that's under a toxic uh, cloud uh, because of who they voted for for president, I, I I I'd hate to think that we've devolved into to that bad of a thing. But a lot of people are saying it. This may be one of the worst environmental disasters in American history. Now, people got all out of shape hearing that FEMA was uh, and a Biden administration wasn't helping, that they reversed themselves uh, on Friday evening and said they will deploy resources as soon as Saturday, which was yesterday. Um, 
And some people are saying uh, Ohio now is an ecological atom bomb. The details are being hidden from the people. We're being lied to. And I tell you, if you believe, if you believe, you live there, and you believe that uh, the government's telling you that the air is clean and the water is fine, uh, you got a problem. So those poor people, your government doing the best for you as usual. Uh, Let's see, where do we want to go here? Oh, Klaus Schwab is at it again. You know, I didn't even know who Klaus Schwab was until early last year. Did you know who Klaus Schwab was, Paul? I had no idea. You had no idea, right? This guy is probably one of the more powerful, diabolical people on the world today. I thought it was George Soros, but it may be this guy. And... uh, He's an arch-globalist. You want to talk about New World Order, global government, uh, this this guy is it. And he was um, speaking at a gathering in Dubai this week. And it wasn't, uh, it, 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 it was subtly named, uh, not so subtly named, I should say, the World Government Summit. World Government, really? Right in your face. <laughs> it's right in your face. It's the World Government Summit. Where nobody, no country is going to have autonomy. They're already trying to make the World Health Organization have power over every country. That if they declare a pandemic, you have to follow whatever dictates that they say. Stealing the autonomy from 140 countries. But he came out and he called for the elites to come together globally in order to, quote unquote, master advanced technologies. And he warned everybody, if they don't act swiftly, the world could escape our power. Wow. Listen to what he had to say. Now, this is televised. I mean, it's not like he said this behind the scenes. Artificial intelligence, but not only artificial intelligence, but also the metaverse, new space technologies, and I could go on and on, synthetic biology. Our life in 10 years from now will be completely different, very much affected, and who masters those technologies in some way will be the master of the world. Master of the world. I'm going to master those technologies. Surveillance technologies, right? Artificial intelligence. So we better get control of that stuff so we can rule the world. Uh, this guy's dangerous. He, You know, he's for... He's for implantable uh, microchips that break the skin barrier and everybody be microchipped. Unbelievable what's going on in the world. Most people, it's under their radar. They don't see it. 30 million Americans are about to lose COVID food stamp handouts. Uh, I mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, that the cost of the, um, the food stamp or the SNAP program has skyrocketed. Uh, from something like uh, uh, $60 billion in 2019 to $120 billion in 2022. And part of that had to do with increasing the amount that people get due to COVID. 
I guess people being out of work and everything. Uh, but that's going to expire at the end of this month. And a lot of people are going to get a, a rude awakening. Uh, the average family is going to receive $95 less per month. And some families could have a reduction of up to $250 per month. Households with children will, on average, lose about $223 per month. Wow. That's a lot of money for a lot of families. Now, at the same time, um, many states that have a work requirement to get food stamps are not enforcing it. Able-bodied people without dependents must work 20 hours a week or be in job training to qualify for SNAP benefits. But during the COVID-19 pandemic, Congress suspended the work requirement. Um, Businesses are open again. There's something like 11 million jobs that are are open. Uh, Yet 25 states have not fully reinstated, reinstated work requirements, including New Jersey. So you could just stay home and get all your food paid for. Now, first of all, food stamps were meant to be uh, helpful uh, in your food costs, not to not to pay for every morsel of food you buy. It was supposed to be, you know, an addition. Right now, we have 11 million jobs open across the economy, uh, about two job openings for every unemployed person. But people aren't going to get a job. Well, why would you go get a job when everything's paid for by the government? So why isn't the administration promoting work? Uh, we're moving. They want you. They want you to be dependent on government. That's what they want. They don't want you to be self-sufficient. They can control you more. All right, there's a big concern. I get emails every week about this uh, and want to know more and more about it. Uh, and that's uh, central bank digital currencies. People are trying to understand it. Is that Bitcoin? What, what is that? Isn't that the same thing as ATM cards? What's the different thing about it? And you got to know what this is because there's a good chance that governments worldwide within the next year, are going to force their citizens to use central bank digital currencies. And central bank digital currencies are going to give government all sorts of totalitarian power over you. A digital currency controlled by the central bank allows governments to track and control every penny you earn, save, spend, Politicians can use it uh, to confiscate and redistribute your wealth as they see fit. Central banks, uh, uh, central bank digital currencies will make it possible for central banks to um, impose deeply negative interest rates. Which is actually just a tax on you if you save money. So in other words, you know, say you have $100,000 in your bank account, digital bank account. You can't take it out because paper currency is not available. It's not negotiable. It's worthless. And then they impose a minus 3% interest rate 
And now they take $3,000 out of your account over the course of the year. They could do that. They could make certain digital currencies have an expiration date. Like if you don't use them, they will just disappear. They'll become worthless. Digital currencies will enable enable social engineering by allowing governments to punish and reward people in ways they previously couldn't do. They could make, say they have a lockdown, they could program your digital currency to only work within a mile of your house. See how insidious this can be, right? You go, you go past your house, your ATM card won't work. They already do this in China now. I saw a video recently in China. Uh, there's something called 15-minute towns where you can't go anywhere where you can't walk in 15 minutes. And they actually have fences set up and gates where you have to put your phone against it and it shows exactly who you are, where you should be. You aren't allowed to go out of that fence if they want to keep you corralled in certain areas. But when you talk about about digital currencies, they could decide and say, you know what? You drink too much. And excessive drinking causes pressure on the healthcare system uh, and um, Medicare, Medicaid, and so forth. So you can only use $100 a month in a liquor store. You know what? Smoking causes cancer and emphysema and, and the like, and it's a big, big pressure on the healthcare system and Medicare and Medicaid. So uh, you can't use it for more than one pack a day or no packs a day if they want to get rid of it. Uh, we just had a, um, a shooting on campus, and, and you know we're seeing these mass shootings around. So. Uh, for the next year, uh, you can't buy a gun. Can't buy ammunition. Uh, we have an obesity problem in the country right now, so you can't buy too much sugary snacks. Oh, we see that you're donating to um, a right-wing political group. Uh, we're not going to allow that because, you know, these are domestic terrorists. Uh, you see how this can go? And there's no doubt in my mind that these digital currencies are going to be paired up with the social credit system like they have in China. Maybe uh, your your currency, the way you spend your currency, your digital currency is going to give you a, an ESG score. You spend too much money on fossil fuels, right? You can only use so much money. You only have so much credit for carbon use. Maybe you read too many uh, political incorrect articles online. Maybe you put something like a thought crime on social media. So now we have to financially punish you. Or they could just turn your bank account off altogether. 
What if the government arrests you for something? A political crime, they think. And then they turn off your digital currency so you can't hire a lawyer, or at least a good one. It can go on and on and on. You want to talk about a way of controlling people, control their money. It's that simple. And uh, it's not going to do anything. It's just going to make fiat currencies more fiat. So what are you going to do? What, what, what should you do? If you see that we're coming down this pike, and we are, what do you do? Well, the first thing I would do is I would use physical gold and silver as an alternative. I mean, what is money? And I mean, I, I don't know. Is, is gold money or is some digital account somewhere money? So uh, I would want to have gold and silver in that scenario. I don't want to have some money out of the system. Because once your money is digital, you can't get out of the system. The only, only way to be out of the system is to own tangible property. <coughs> own something as opposed to having money in a bank account somewhere. I want to own a house. I want to own farmland. I want to own gold, silver, food, oil. But this is what's coming. Now, the question is, is are they going to, um, are they going to uh, make gold and silver illegal? So you have to be in the system. I don't know. Maybe uh, Bitcoin would be an option. Now, people say, well, is Bit- isn't Bitcoin the same as a central bank digital currency? No, it's different in a lot of different ways. You need a government's permission and blessing to use a, a central bank digital currency. Bitcoin is permissionless, say to, so to speak. Governments can and, and they will create as many digital currency units as they want, just like they print money now. So they still can create inflation. They could still lose purchasing power, and they will. With Bitcoin, it could never be more than $21 million, supposedly. They can't inflate the supply. Uh, you know, governments can control the way you spend digital currency. They can't control Bitcoin. Now, I'm not a big fan of, of, of cryptocurrencies. I'm not. But I'm, I'm more of a fan of that uh, a semi-private currency system than I would be a digital currency system. And uh, maybe we have to go back to um, barter, exchanging things with people and not being in the system. You know, I'll do landscaping for you, Mr. Dentist, uh, if you'll fix my teeth. Right? Anyway, this is insidious. This is, this is, you want to talk about control. How do you control people? First of all, you control their money. That's a big one. Next thing you do is you control their food. That's the next thing they're doing now, right? We're seeing all these problems with food processing plants burning up. We're seeing shortages. We're seeing uh, mysterious uh, pandemics among animals. And uh, we're seeing uh, chickens stop laying eggs because of something in the food. Uh, so you control their food. And then you control their health care. That's the third thing. All right. 
to force vaccinations, limiting your ability to travel without a vaccination. You get it. We've lived through that already. We know what that's about. And make no uh, mistake about it. Whenever you hear it. And, and you know what? It's not just the United States that's talking about this. This is a uh, hundred countries around the world, at least, are talking about this digital currency. This is, again, go back to Klaus Schwab. World Government Forum, right? Technologies, whoever masters these technologies are masters of the planet. And they're telling you right to your face what they're going to do. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Pat and Point Pleasant. Hi, Pat. How are you? Hi, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I just want to give you an update. Uh, I remember a couple of weeks ago I called and told you I was having trouble getting into my iBond account. Yes, 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 yes. And I, was, I was locked out, and then I called the number, uh, and, I, and I got right in. Yeah, it took like maybe I was on, they told me my estimated time was three minutes. I got to a girl. She answered. She asked the questions that were on the on the uh, website. You know, your name, address, all that stuff, and uh, answered all that and the security questions. And then she gave me my account number, and uh, and that was it. You know, put it in. They gave you a, a email for a a uh, passcode. Put that in, and I was back in. It was pretty much effortless. Just to let people know that if you're in this situation, I, now I called like. Five after eight, like they literally just got there. So that probably helped. So how long did it take to get somebody to answer the phone? Under three minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Whenever you're dealing with government, whether it's the IRS or something like that, the smartest thing to do is to call just when it opens early in the morning or later in the afternoon or evening uh, when it's not the peak time. Uh, That's usually when you can get through. But, uh, you know, not some people have been telling me they're having problems accessing the Treasury Direct website. Uh, I have had no problem with it. Uh, I've had a few small problems with it. You know, you got to answer a bunch of questions and everything else, and it's for your safety. But for the most part, you know, all of a sudden we've had a surge, obviously, in the people who want I-bonds because, you know, last year it was over 9%, 9.6. Now if you buy them for the next six months, the annual rate is 6.8 or something like that. So, you know, a lot of people looking at that and saying, wow, risk-free money, I could put, you know, $10,000 in. Uh, 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 so, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, there's been a flood of people into the system, into Treasury Direct, and it kind of overwhelmed their computer systems and whatnot, and they weren't ready for it. Uh, but apparently it's getting better, and I'm glad to hear that you had a satisfactory resolution to the issue. The girl explained that. Uh, I said, I'm pretty 99% sure I put everything incorrect. She goes, you probably did. It's just a, it's a very sensitive mm-hmm. uh, system they have. Uh, just one last thing before I go. Uh, I know we all watch Fox News because that's the only place we have unless you go to Gray Zone or something. But I noticed that they advertise for BlackRock. Well, Black, BlackRock their- is the biggest investment group in, in the world, basically. You know, So obviously they have tons of money and they're happy to uh, spend it at Fox and everywhere else. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, but these, we all talk about BlackRock and ESG and stuff like that, and it's kind of funny to see BlackRock, uh, you know, on their 
their uh, well, yeah, them along with Pfizer, brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. You know, it's when they have all this money, uh, they could infiltrate every area of media, uh, and, and that's what you see with these gigantic. Uh, money-making firms, you know. Uh, you know, Pfizer's made tens of billions of dollars in the last couple of years on vaccines. They certainly have a, a bunch to spread around the media, A, to c- cover their back, and B, not report on all the um, deaths and... Uh, Stuff that are going on, so uh, yeah, they're going inv- to they're going to invest, and you know what? Fox is more than happy to take anybody's money, uh, regardless of uh, who they are or what they believe in. It doesn't matter. It's all about the the money, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it always been that way in life? Right. Anyway. All right, Pia. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'm glad you said, glad you rectified your issue with the, uh, your eye bonds. All right, seven three two two three seven nine six two six. Let's go to Larry in Forked River. Larry, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing really well. Okay. At one time, you said you wanted to write a, another book. I said I, I said I would contemplate it. I haven't made okay. a... Yeah. Well, how, about the, how about this plot? You're going towards digital currency. People know this. But what they do is they have a run on the bank accounts, and they draw the money out because they don't want digital currency. It'll be there. But this money that they're drawing out would be like black market money. In other words, you would pay somebody in cash all the time. Yeah, but if that cash can never be negotiated or put into the system, say to buy a home or to pay a bill or to buy groceries, what's the use of transacting in paper dollars on a black market if you can't use it for the daily things that you would need it for? Well, uh, those things you would probably have to get drawn into. But, I mean, having stuff done around your house or whatever it is, you would pay everybody in cash. Or or if cash is no, – nobody wants cash because it's no longer considered legal tender, uh, how about silver coins or something like that? And let's go back to the, the original money that used to be transacted. You know, I have a coin that's worth 200 bucks. You give me $200 worth of services or, or, or food or something, and, you know, we'll transact that way. Uh, uh, that's, it's, that's a form of barter, I guess you would say, but it's a form of money exchange and, 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 and using it for, for that. Uh, but um, the book to write on digital currencies, I, I think uh, you could really write quite um, an interesting uh, uh, fictional book or semi-fictional book on um, how people get around it, uh, uh, how the authorities try to come after you uh, if you're trying to be out of the system. Uh, it would be interesting plot twist, I think, you could do in a, a kind of a Tom Clancy kind of way. Uh, yeah, well, how, how would they convert, you know, your money that you have in a bank? Would they just say, well, if you got $100,000 in the bank, we're going to convert that over, or are they going to prorate it some way? No, it's all going to be – it's all going to be – Digital currency. So, if you have a hundred thousand uh, uh, dollars in a bank, it'd be a hundred thousand dollars controlled by the Federal Reserve in a programmable digital currency, where they could see what you're spending your money on, what you uh, uh, what you invest in, and uh, uh, and then could program it to where it works a certain way, where it doesn't work a certain way. Mm-hmm. Say they wanted to stimulate, I don't know, a certain industry. Uh, uh, they'll say that, hey, here we're going to give you um, 
$500 in digital currency. But that $500 has to be spent on XYZ. Right. Uh, uh, if you don't spend it on XYZ by March 31st, it just disappears from your account. So now you're going to say, well, geez, it's going to go to zero. I might as well run out and spend it on XYZ. Uh, uh, and they can control where money flows. Uh, that could be just redistribution of wealth to a certain sector of the economy or a certain sector of population. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that they could use this programmable money uh, to influence the economy, influence certain certain people. How about they put money in your in your account and you can only spend it on climate issues, right? Or you can only spend it on non meat. You can only spend it on vegetables because we want to get more vegetarians. So you can only vegetable based meats or oh, who knows? They can do whatever you want. Or you can only spend it uh, on democratic causes. How about that? Oh, this that that ain't gonna fly. <laughs> no, that won't fly. I'd let it go to zero before. I let it go to zero before I, I did it. I don't think that's gonna fly. I think you know Americans like their rights, just like they don't like to be told what you have to do. That's what makes us Americans. Like uh, like being forced to take a experimental vaccine that you don't want to take. Right. Uh, how exactly. many people did? How many people well, did? Because they didn't want to lose their jobs. How many pilots did now have heart problems? How many NFL players did and now have uh, heart issues? Uh, uh, So don't, uh, you know, I I agree with you, Larry, that I thought for sure that Americans cannot easily have their rights taken away. The last three years have told me otherwise, that, that people will, if persuaded enough, if coerced enough, if uh, they're in enough fear, uh, will do what government tells them. And and I, I was uh, profoundly disturbed by the fact of how many people lined up to get this shot um, that was not tested, uh, which in hindsight doesn't work and has caused major, major deaths and, and injury to a lot of people. Uh, but people lined up to do this. And, 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 and it's amazing how many people would volunteer, volunteered for a drug trial that normally would not volunteer for a drug trial because they don't want to be a guinea pig. Uh, you know, some people do. They want the money or whatever, and they go to Merck, and they're, they're part of a trial. And if the trial shows injury or, or a certain number of deaths, a small amount, the trial stops. We have a worldwide trial going on now of which there's millions of deaths and multiple millions of injuries and, 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 and disabilities from this. And they continue to push it. Uh, and people lined up to do it. And so I, I, I don't buy the fact that Americans will not allow uh, the government to control their money and everything else. Uh, I think a good portion of, the, of them will. Uh, and the ones who don't are going to be so suppressed in so many different ways that they won't be able to function. Now, if, if, if digital currencies is the way to go and that's the only thing available and you can't pay your electric bill, your mortgage or buy food at the grocery store without it, you have no choice but to be part of that system. You know, it's 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 no choice. Uh, so uh, it's all about control, totalitarianism, authoritarianism. And uh, unfortunately, they're going to try to push this on us. And for many of us, we'll have no choice uh, because otherwise you starve to death. Uh, and uh, nobody wants to starve their kids to death. So you just say, OK, this is the way it is. I got to do it. Well, yeah, but Americans, you know, we'll get pushed to a point. You know, they got all right. They won the first round with this year's vaccine and everything else. But 
I think uh, we learn from it also. In other words, they're, they're going to start pushing, pushing, and Americans are going to start pushing back. That's, that's how we are. I think we're starting to see. I think we're starting to see some of that, Larry. I, I think more and more people are less inclined to get booster shots now, and everything else. Most people know yeah. somebody who either died or was hurt by this. Uh, most people now are starting to push back against this crazy gender stuff going on in our schools. Uh, I think people, maybe Americans, have had enough, and we've been pushed past the the line, and we'll start pushing back. Uh, the problem is uh, the average American uh, is a sheep. And we'll do what's told. And uh, uh, and uh, but there's a, a growing uh, percentage of the population that has had enough of government telling us what to do with our bodies, what to do uh, in our everyday lives. And now they want to control our money. Uh, enough's enough. But they're going to try to get away with whatever they can and see how far they can get away with it. I think they're pleasantly surprised of how many people around the world lined up to take this, uh, this shot uh, uh, that was experimental and still is experimental. Uh, and right. uh, uh, 13 billion doses have been taken around the world. That's that's incredible to me. Uh, but, well, not, but not me. I won't. We're going to see the long-term effects for a while, I think. So people are going to learn from it, too. Yeah, unfortunately. So. All right, Larry, thanks for the call. Appreciate okay. it. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, let's take a quick break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician. You heard every Sunday, 7 to 9 a.m., right here on 92.7 WOBM-FM. Hey, it's that time again, income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. AFM Investments has been providing financial planning and income tax preparation for over 35 years. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member FINRA, NSIPC, registered investment advisory services through 42 Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer. Top quality work at the most affordable rates. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. 
I'm Luz Katigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial and estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service, to Fortitude Advisory Group. Call the Financial Physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, in the home stretch of our two-hour program, The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, and politics each and every Sunday live right here on 92.7 WOBM or anytime at the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. The podcast will be up right after the show is over. So if you're just joining us now, you missed a, a lot of information we, we covered in the first hour and a half of this program. Uh, and uh, the podcast is the way to go at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, Love your emails. You want to comment on the show or you want me to cover a topic or you have a personal finance issue that I could help you with. Please feel free to um, email me at lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, physician.com. Uh, I want to remind everybody in New Jersey here, and a lot of people don't know this. I'm still coming across it. Clients are coming in for taxes. They don't know about this. You got to file for the um, New Jersey anchor rebate. For those who don't know what it is, it is $1,500 per household that you're going to get in April or May, either direct deposited or a check sent to you by the state of New Jersey as a rebate on property taxes. Uh, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you uh, earn 150000 or less, uh, you get $1,500. It starts phasing out above that. But for most people listening to me, they would qualify for this. Uh, and you, you've, you've got to apply. Now, they, they would have sent you something in the mail. You should have got it with a confirmation number, and you go online and do it. If not, just go to just Google New Jersey Anchor Program. All right, and it'll bring you to their website, the state of New Jersey's website. Follow the instructions uh, and apply for this. It's a free fifteen hundred dollars. You have to apply by February twenty eighth. Less than two weeks, you have to do this. I just, I, I, I it just be such a shame for people, especially nowadays, where we could all use an extra fifteen hundred dollars uh, for not for people not to apply for this. Now, if you're a renter. You, too, will get something. You won't get $1,500. You'll get $450 if you rent and you fit within the income parameters. So please don't miss out on this. About 50% of the people I talk to about this don't know about it. Where's the state getting this money from? I don't know. But it's available. So Google New Jersey Anchor Program. Follow the directions. There's also a phone number to call, supposedly... It's well-manned, um, but it's not that hard to do. 
So do it. Uh, what else? Where do we want to go here? We only have 15 minutes left. All right. We were talking about, um, we're talking about the vaccines and we're talking about, you know, how many people have taken it and surprised that. And it's still pushing it. I mean, it's just amazing. You think they would have pulled this a long time ago, given the fact that, A, it doesn't work, especially on the new variants. More people who are vaccinated are getting uh, sick and hospitalized and dying from COVID. Can you imagine that? Taking a polio vaccine and people who took the polio vaccine are getting polio more than people who didn't take the vaccine. It's insanity. People are taking it. Now, of course, the NFL uh, pushed everybody, almost everybody in the NFL to get the vaccine. And we saw with horror month or so ago, uh, DeMar Hamlin dropping dead literally on the football field during Monday Night Football. Uh, and they asked him um, in a recent interview uh, if he would disclose the reason why he suffered a cardiac arrest. What did the doctors tell him? Uh, they asked him, you're 24, peak physical condition. You can run circles around me right now. How did the doctors describe what happened to you? ABC News, Good Morning America host Michael Strahan himself a former NFL player, asked Hamlin during the interview, which was published last week. Hamlin stated that uh, he would not comment on what doctors told him. Quote, that's something I want to stay away from, Hamlin said in response. Hmm. And then Strahan said, I, I know from my experience at the NFL, they do more tests than anything. And of course, if you have in your physical, did anybody ever come back to you and say that you had a heart issue or anything was abnormal? He goes, honestly, no, I've always been healthy, young, fit, energetic human being, let alone athlete. Uh, so it's something we're still processing. And I'm still talking through uh, my doctors to see what everything was. But he doesn't want to go there and say perhaps it was the vaccine. Well, you know, who sponsors the NFL? Brought to you by... <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Florida Surgeon General, you only hear this in states like Florida. You won't hear this in New Jersey's Attorney General, uh, Surgeon General. It's warning that mRNA COVID vaccines, uh, after finding 1,700% uh, increase in VAERS reporting in Florida alone. Florida State uh, Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo issued a new health warning on Wednesday on the increased risk of adverse Reactions associated with COVID vaccines. Due to the alarming number of cardiac-related deaths in males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following vaccination, Dr. Lopato uh, Ladapo recommended that young males ages 18 to 39 refrain from taking the COVID vaccine. Um, and a lot of doctors are saying this. Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of mRNA, um, voiced his concerns regarding the safety and bioethics of COVID-19 genetic vaccines. Um, so he said, warning, Florida Department of Health on uh, mRNA vaccine safety. Please share this with as many people as possible. Here's another article. Immunity acquired from a COVID infection is as protective as vaccination against severe illness and death. Study finds. And this is a peer-reviewed study that came out and was published in a very prestigious uh, English uh, medical journal, The Lancet, saying that um, uh, natural immunity 
is on par with mRNA, mRNA vaccines. Infection-acquired immunity cut the risk of hospitalization and death from COVID and reinfection by 88% for at least 10 months. Well, I had COVID in August, so I guess I'm good for a while anyway. All right, what else do we have here? Oh, uh, Joe Biden had his physical this week. You know, Paul, he came out flying colors. He's the healthiest 80-something-year-old you've ever seen. He's so healthy. Uh, uh, there's only one thing missing from his examination, and that was uh, a mental test. <laughs> He's as healthy as you could expect for a guy his age. Um, but um, the rest of us in America know his mental health is in decline. Uh, he can't take questions from anybody. They don't let him. Did you see this week he was talking about the balloons that were shot down and everything? And somebody started, yelled a question at him. And, and it looked like he wanted to take that question. And he walked back to the podium. And then all his people in the room started screaming, get out, get out, all the press people. They didn't want him to answer any questions. And then he said something snarky like, uh, I don't know what he said. And, uh but he doesn't answer any questions. How do you have a president of the United States? We've got all this stuff going on. The train derailment and, and toxic spill in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Nothing from the president. We had for uh, 10 or 12 days a balloon going across the United States from China. We shoot 3,000 things down. The president doesn't give an address to the nation. Um. It's just incredible. How do you have a president of a country, let alone the United States of America, that doesn't talk to the people? Has other people do it for him? Very incompetent people, by the way. Like Pierre or whatever her name is. I mean, she's worthless. I don't even know why they have press briefings. Binder girl. Uh, she doesn't answer any questions. Oh, I refer you to the Department of Justice on that. Oh, I refer you to the Department of Defense on that. Oh, uh, I refer you to the White House Counsel. Um, it just goes on and on. She never answers a question. And when she does, she goes to her binder and reads it. What do you think Trump would have done if we had these Chinese balloon going across the United States? First of all, it would never have made it to the continental United States in the first place. But he'd be out there speaking about it every day. Not buying it. Oh, they just keep recycling these crazy leftists in the government. Um, Joe Biden has appointed Susan Rice to be their chair of the new, quote unquote, White House Steering Committee on Equity. To conduct a sweeping racial equity progressive makeover of the federal government. With the establishment of agency equity teams in all departments that answer to Rice. Boy, this is underreported. Did you hear that? Anybody hear that? Did you hear that, Paul? No, right? This is Susan Rice, right? You know, of all people. Um, these same people, these same leftists in Obama's administration are here again. So every department of the federal government has to have agency equity teams to answer to her. Biden issued an executive order on Thursday entitled Executive Order on Further Advancing Racial Equity and Support for Underserved Communities Through the Federal Government. 
The agency equity teams will have power and funding to transform. There's that word, transform again. You remember Obama? We're going to transform the government. Transform the federal government by delivering equitable outcomes through government policies, programs, and activities. Equitable outcomes. Everybody's even. Nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody, no merit. You don't move up the ladder in government based on your job performance. It's based on racial equity. Every year, agencies will submit an equity action plan to the White House Steering Committee on Equity, chaired by Rice. Also, each agency equity team shall support continuing equity training and equity leadership development for staff across all levels of the agency's workforce. Boy, they're shoveling this stuff down our throat. Everything's about race now. Everything. And gender, right? Race and gender. So they use the word equity. It's, it, it's a euphemism they're using, equity. It sounds good. It sounds right to me, equity. Right? What's wrong with that? Well, it's a, it's a euphemism for discrimination based on race or national origin or sex, economic class. And they want to use it for employment. They want to use it for college admissions, access to government benefits. It's reverse racism is really what it is. This is radical. Radical. And this is for the Department of State, Treasury, Defense, Justice, Interior, Agriculture, Commerce, you name it. All down the line. Unbelievable. Uh, and that snuck out under under the radar, didn't it? Uh, not too many people are talking about it. All right. Uh, it's President's Day weekend. And uh, sad to hear today that... Uh, President Jimmy Carter, uh, who's, what, 97, 98? Uh, he's in hospice now. The guy's been around for a long time. Great man. Horrible president, really. I really like Jimmy Carter. Uh, good guy. Terrible president. Uh, but he's in hospice now, and uh, he'll probably be passing on somewhat soon. Tell you a quick story before we the show is over. When Jimmy Carter was president, I actually met him. Uh, as president, shook his hand. He talked to me. He was running for president against Ronald Reagan, and he landed in New Brunswick at Rutgers University. And I went there. I was curious. I wanted to see it. And I was one of the first people on the rope line there. And, you know, he was patted down and everything else. And you could see these snipers on the apartment buildings around. And it was in the middle of the park. And I forgot the name of the park. Johnson Park, maybe. Uh, and that three helicopters came down and landed right in the park. It was really cool, you know. I'm 19, 20 years old, 20 years old at the time. And uh, he came down the rope line shaking hands. And he came right in front of me. I shook his hand. Nice to meet you, Mr. President. And he said, uh, I really could use your vote. And I, I was thinking that, uh, well, I'm a Republican. But I did vote for him. It shows you how campaigning can work, right? Meanwhile, Reagan won, and Reagan was my best president ever. But anyway, I had this weird feeling of power at that point. I said to myself, and it's really weird the way my mind thinks sometimes, which troubles me. I said, I could punch him out right now. I could just go bang and I could knock him out. I was pretty, pretty good in shape in those days. Right. And I could have done it and they could not have stopped me. I could have knocked out the president of the United States. And I just thought about my mother half asleep, laying on the couch at home, watching her soap operas, having an interruption, special report <laughs> and see them dragging me away <laughs> and, and Carter laying flat on his back in the park 
Uh, anyway, we wish Jimmy Carter well. I don't wish him anything. But it was just a weird thought that went through my head. And that shows you how sick I am anyway. Well, there's the music. It goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. It's the fastest two hours in radio. It really is. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website, thefinancialphysician.com, where we have the podcast of this program, lots of other things, including uh, my uh, my TV show pilot. Uh, my email, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, want to make a tax appointment, a financial planning appointment, 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week. And remember... I'm not far right, I'm just right so far.